119, Psalm number 119, if you'll open there right quick. The last two days I've had the privilege of speaking at your uh, school in the chapel services, first to the junior high and high school and then today to the entire school. My wife and I were discussing this afternoon about uh, what a what a, a unique, uh, what a special school you have. I speak in a different church almost every week of the year, and I've been doing that uh, off and on for over 30 years and consistently now for the last 15 years. And uh, I don't just go around the country saying this everywhere I go, but there's something, there's something really special about your school. Uh, I, I don't know if it's the pastor that, that you know, that just makes it what it is, or if it's the staff, or, or if it's the kids. Uh, uh, they, were, they were very, very well-behaved, and not just behaved, they were, they were engaged, and, 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 and they were with me, and we conducted chapel. I didn't preach to them. We learned the Bible together. Uh, it, it's just, there's just something really special about it. I know it's the hand of the Lord uh, uh, blessing, but, I, but th- those of you that, that are parents and have children in the school, uh, uh, I, I commend you, the, you and, and the Lord and, and uh, the pastor and the staff and, and your young people are doing a wonderful job together. And I just, uh, just praise the Lord for it. But I said that to say, uh, I told the young people in, in chapel, I think it was yesterday, that when I was 15 years of age, I was uh, saved on a Monday night. As the pastor said, a bus captain came to my house and invited me to church some reason, I don't remember exactly how it all worked out, but I wound up attending a Monday night youth rally before I ever rode the bus and went to church on, on Sunday morning. But it was the bus captain that invited me to that youth rally. At that youth rally on Monday night, I got saved. Well, the following Sunday, the bus captain had come back to my house on Saturday, invited me to church. And so I was walking out the door to go to church Sunday morning to get on the bus and go to church. And my parents' bedroom door was open. And I noticed laying on the dresser in their bedroom, there were two Bibles. The same two Bibles that had always laid on my parents' dresser. We never did anything with them, but they were always there. One was a thick brown Bible, about that thick, had my mother's name on the outside of it. And the other one was a black Bible, about that thick, had my dad's name on the outside of it. And you know, something just said, I was a 15-year-old kid, I'd been saved six days, but something just said, you're going to church, you ought to take a Bible with you. So I went in there and I looked at those two Bibles. Well, I did sure didn't want to take a woman's Bible to church. <laughs> so I picked up that black Bible and I took it to Sunday school with me. And I was sitting in class and the teacher said... Turn to a certain place in the Bible. And when the teacher said that, all the other boys and girls in the class, the teenagers, they picked their Bibles up and started doing this. So I picked up that black Bible and I started doing this. I didn't know what I was doing, but I was just doing the same thing everybody else was doing. And the boy sitting next to me, Shell Stevenson, he was trying to be helpful. He said, hey, Ray, it's in the Old Testament. And when he said that, I don't know why, but for some reason my mind said, you picked up the wrong Bible on the dre- off the dresser this morning. So I closed that black Bible and I laid it on the seat beside me. And he looked at me like, you know, what's wrong with, what's wrong with you? That evening I came back to church and I got baptized. Monday night, seven days after I'd been saved, they started a youth revival. So I came back to church again on Monday night. Monday night, God called me to preach. 
Well, now that I was a preacher, I didn't know that I was going to be a preacher someday. I thought when God called me to preach that I was a preacher. I found out different. But anyway, I thought now that I'm a preacher, I probably ought to have my own Bible. You know, every plumber has a, a wrench and every carpenter has a hammer. And, uh, you know, so I, I decided I'd get me a Bible. But I had never heard the words Bible bookstore. I'd never heard the words Christian bookstore. I didn't know there was any such thing. But I did. I lived out in the country on a dead-end dirt road. But I did know when you drove into town, the second store on the left was a drugstore. You know, the old-fashioned kind of drugstore. had the soda fountain in the back. You know, the little stools that just spin around at the counter and made the big milkshakes and the tin cups. You remember that? And, and, and praise the Lord. But anyway, <laughs> at that drugstore, they had a little counter about the size of this pulpit here uh, without the top on it and had a cash register there. And it was a glass counter. And inside that glass counter, they had Bibles. For sale. I remembered that. So I drove to town. I went in the drugstore. I walked up to the counter. There was a lady behind the cash register. And I don't know exactly why, but for some reason I looked around to make sure nobody was listening. And I said, I want to buy a Bible. And the lady said, oh, okay, what kind of Bible? And I thought, oh, brother, what kind of, what, I don't know what kind of Bible. I don't. And I looked in the counter and it said, Holy Bible. And I said, I want to buy a Holy Bible. She said, no, I mean, are you a Baptist or a Catholic? Because you see, back then in Louisiana, where I grew up, everybody was either a Baptist or a Catholic unless somebody had messed with them. (laughs) And she said, "Uh, are you a Catholic or a Baptist? I said, I'm a Baptist. You know, I'd been one about 10 days now. I said, I'm a Baptist. She said, then you need a King James Bible. So I bought me a King James Bible. And I started taking it to church with me. Every Sunday morning when I went to church, every Wednesday night when I went to church, I brought my King James Bible with me. And one Sunday morning after I'd been saved about five or six weeks, I don't remember exactly, but somewhere along in there, my pastor, Brother Richard White, he made what at the time seemed like one of the most amazing statements I'd ever heard. He said, when you go home this week, you ought to read your Bible. And I remember thinking, read your Bible? You know, to me... The Bible was like when you go to math class, you take your math book. When you go to history class, you take history book. When you go to science class, you take your science book. When you go to church, you take your Bible. I never went home and read my math book. <laughs> and he said, he said, you ought to go home and read your Bible. And I remember he was standing at the back door like he always was. And I walked out that morning and I said, Brother White, you said I should read my Bible. Where should I start? He reached out, took my brand new King James Bible from me. And he did this like they'd all been doing. And when he came to the book of Matthew, he said, Ray, right here is where the New Testament starts. The book of Matthew. And I remember thinking, oh, there's a New Testament also. I'd already heard about the Old Testament. And he said, said, right here is where you ought to start reading. And I remember I took the Bible back from him and I took my finger and I stuck it in that page right there because I didn't want to lose my place. And I went out and got on the bus and I sat down on the bus and held my Bible in my hand with my finger in there all the way home because I didn't want to lose my place. And that Sunday afternoon, I began reading the book of Matthew. And it was pretty interesting. So Monday morning, I got up and I read a couple more chapters. I decided, hey, I think I'll take my Bible to school with me today, public school. And I think I'll take my Bible. I'll read some more at lunch. And I read a few more chapters. And that night, I read a few more. And Tuesday morning, a few more. And Tuesday at lunch, a few more. And Tuesday night... I finished reading the book of Matthew. And I remember thinking, wow, I didn't know all those stories were in there. Man, that was really interesting. I I thought, uh, 
man, I think I'll, I'll, I'll see, see what the, the, the next book says. Now, the book of Matthew, Jesus was born. He grew up. He performed some miracles. He was arrested. He was crucified. He was buried. He rose again. He went back to heaven. I turned the page and began to read the book of Mark. And Jesus was born and he began to grow up. And I remember thinking, how many times did he come to the earth and get born? <laughs> And I, and I literally went to the kitchen and to call my pastor. Well, I say I went to the kitchen. You remember when the phone used to hang on the wall instead of carrying it in your pocket? But I, I went to the kitchen and called my pastor. I said, Brother White, how many times did Jesus get born and, and grow up? And, and he had to explain the Gospels to me. That was, a, that was the beginning of what has become a 53-year-long journey. The last 12 years, my former pastor, Brother Howes, was alive. I traveled and spoke with him in conferences 15 to 25 times a year. And in every one of those conferences, they always had a question and answer session. And many times I heard them ask him, what's the best way to study the Bible? And his answer was always the same every time he said, just read it. But are you like me? You sometimes pick your Bible up and read it, and when you finish the chapter, you think, now what was that all about? (laughs) What did that say? What did that mean? Hey, don't leave me up here on an island all by myself. (laughs) Have you ever been there? (laughs) When I graduated from high school, 1973, 1973, not 1873, (laughs) when I graduated from high school, 1973, in Louisiana, Louisiana had the 49th worst school system in America. I don't know who was 50th. Might have been North Carolina. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, but we did. We had the 49th worst school system in America. I graduated on fourth grade reading level. And so when I first began reading the Bible, there were many, many, many times I, I, I couldn't understand what I was reading. So on purpose, for the last 53 years, I have had to, on my own, develop some little habits that I use on a regular basis to help me understand the Bible. Now, what I'm going to do tonight, and I realize what time you usually get out, I think we'll be done in plenty of time, uh, you you know, before, a little little bit early, I believe. But but, uh, uh, what I'm going to do tonight is I'm going to give you... I think it's eight. I'm going to give you eight of the things that I have personally developed in my life that help me understand what I read when I read the Bible. Now, this is not something they taught me in college. It's not something I heard somebody else teach. It's something I have learned on my own one at a time uh, and, and used them through the years. Some of them are very simple. Some of you who have read your Bible a lot and some of you who have a good uh, educational background, some of this will seem a little simple to you. But there may be somebody in the room tonight who's somewhere close to where I was when I first got saved and started reading the Bible. And there might be at least one of the eight or two or three of the eight that you could add to what you're already doing that can help you understand the Bible more. What's more important than understanding the Bible? Everything we believe, everything we practice, everything uh, about the lifestyle we try to live, we got it all out of this book right here. So let's talk a little bit tonight about how to understand what you read uh, when you read the Bible. Number one, 
When I sit down to read the Bible, I always, number one, pray and ask God to help me understand what I'm about to read. Look at Psalm 119 and look at verse 18. Psalm 119, verse 18. Every time I read my Bible, I always pray this prayer. Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Sometimes I pray, verse 34, also, give me understanding and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. But I pray and ask the Holy Spirit. to Remember what Jesus said to the disciples before he went back to heaven? He said, when the Spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth. So I ask the Holy Spirit to help me understand what I'm reading, number one. Number two, the second thing I do is every time I come to a word that I don't understand... I stop and look it up. Now, in the beginning, on a fourth grade reading level, there were a lot of words I didn't understand. It's not as often today as it was uh, 53 years ago. But let me tell you where I look up the words so I can understand them. Number one, I look them up in the Noah Webster 1828 Dictionary. Now, why that particular dictionary? Well, uh, my wife and I were in Noah Webster's home one day. No, he was not there the day we were there. But but we were in his home one day, and, the, and an original printing of the 1828 Noah Webster Dictionary was on display there in his house in a glass count case. And, and in his handwriting, there was a little note next to the, to the book that said, the reason I wrote this particular edition of the, of, the, of the Webster Dictionary was so that I could help people understand the King James Bible. And it's amazing how many times I look up a word in the Noah Webster Dictionary and the very verse that I'm trying to understand in the Bible is the verse he uses in the dictionary to help you understand the meaning of the word. So number one, I look it up in the Noah Webster Dictionary. But you know, in the English language, there's a lot of words that have more than one meaning. Okay, if I say I saw a man, well, I hope that means I was looking at him. Because <laughs> there are other meanings to that word. Uh, and so wh- you may look it up in the dictionary and it might give you six different meanings to the word. Well, which one of those meanings apply to this particular verse? I can help you with that. There's a book called the Strong's Concordance. In the Strong's Concordance, you can look up any word that's in the Bible and it will list for you every verse in the Bible where that word appears and it will give you the meaning of the word that applies to that particular verse. So I look it up first in the Noah Webster Dictionary and then second I look it up in the Strong's Concordance. Number three, every time I come to a place in the Bible that I don't recognize, I stop and look that up. Or you men like me, I, I don't know if the ladies think like this or not, but, but, or some of you men, you, are you like me? Can you understand uh, a story that you're reading if you can picture it in your mind where it's happening? Can you understand it a little bit? Especially if you can at least figure out where it is on the map. It helps me understand, uh, the story a little bit better. And so if I'm reading the Bible, it mentions a village or a town or a city or a river, or a mountain, or, or a lake, or an ocean, or, or something, uh, a sea, uh, uh, and, I, and I can't remember where that, I stop and look it up. I use the uh, Hammond Atlas, has nothing to do with Hammond, Indiana, where I, my church is, but uh, the Hammond Atlas, I've used it for years, I still do. I know there's some others nowadays that are on, 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 uh, on, on your iPad or on your computer. I think there's one called Glow Bible and some others that are very good programs, but I'm just used to using that. So 
I stop and look up any place that I, I don't recognize and it helps me understand the story a little bit better. Number four, I look up every person that I don't recognize. Every person, every time it mentions a person's name. Now, let me, let me qualify that statement. When I'm reading first and second Chronicles and it says so and so begot so and so who begot so and so who begot so and so, you know, I don't look up every one of those names. But when I'm reading a story and it mentions a person's name in the story, it helps me understand the story if I can remember who this person is. And many of the characters to this day, I still don't, under, I still don't remember every single one. Well, this morning, I, uh, I, I was reading a, a passage and it mentioned Achish. And I, for a moment, I couldn't remember who Achish was. And then I remembered, oh yeah, that's that king that David went to and, 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 uh, 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 you know, lived in a, in a foreign country and, and served under a, a different king for a while. And when he was running from Saul, his name was Achish. Uh, but it, and, and now you say, well, where do I look up people's names? There's over 3,000 names in the Bible. I don't remember every one of them. But there's a great book that you can use, and I don't get a commission for selling them, but, but I tell you, it'll add something to your Bible reading. If you'll get this book, it's called Everyone in the Bible. That's the name of the book, Everyone in the Bible. It's by a man by the name of Barker, B is in boy, Barker. It's by Reveal Press. It's out of print, but you can find them on eBay, uh, uh, Thrift Books, uh, Amazon, so forth. Uh, I looked them up just the other day. I think there were 12 copies available that particular day. I think they were anywhere from $2.97 up to about $12 and I think 47 cents or something like that. Uh, you can order them. They're hardback. In this book, it'll give you the person's name. It'll give you a little biographical sketch. Uh, two or three paragraphs of who the person is and what he did and so forth, who he married, where he lived, where he's born, his main event that happened in the Bible. And then it'll list the different verses in the Bible where that particular... Do you understand that in the Bible there's five different people by the name of James? So when you're reading your Bible and you says James did, well, which James? Turn to Matthew chapter, I think it's 14. Let me look right quick at my notes here. Turn to Matthew chapter 14. Turn to Matthew chapter 14. I want to show you something here. In Matthew chapter 14, I told you I went home that day with my Bible in my hand, with my finger stuck in it because I didn't want to lose my place in the book of Matthew. And I was reading the book of Matthew for the first time in my life. And I came to Matthew chapter 14 and I read verse 10. Matthew 14.10 says, And he sent and beheaded John in the prison. And, you know, I thought, well, you know, that's interesting that that happened and so forth. Now turn over to chapter 17. Now remember, I didn't even know there was an Old New Testament. I didn't even own a Bible. I hadn't been to church in five years. Nobody in my family had been to church in five years the night I got saved. And so then I come to Matthew chapter 17. And I read, and after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain. And I went back to the telephone. (laughs) I called my pastor. I said, Brother White. How many people got killed in the Bible and came back alive? I know Jesus did. How many other people? And he said, well, what are you talking about? I said, well, this guy named John, they cut his head off. And now a couple of chapters later, he's walking down the street talking to Jesus. <laughs> and he had explained to me there was more than one John in the Bible. So if you'll look it up in this book, everyone in the Bible, it'll help you understand what you're reading sometimes. Right? Number uh, n- Number five. Or is it? No, number... 
Yeah, number five, number five. Uh, so, number five, sometimes I read the Bible in what I call chronological order. Write that down if you're taking notes. I saw a few people writing things down, so if you're doing that, write that down. Chronological Bible. How you spell chronological C and a whole bunch of letters. Just put them in any order you want to. You'll recognize it later. <laughs> but I read the Bible in chronological order. Okay, for example, the, the, the Gospels. I just got through saying Jesus was born, he grew up, he died, he was buried, he rose again, he went back to heaven, and then the next turn the page and he's getting born again and he's growing up again. That's not in chronological order. In fact, the first time I ever found something that showed me that, that you can put the Bible in chronological order was I had my Thompson Chain Reference Bible. Any of you ever had a Thompson Chain Reference Bible? It's a, it's a very, it's a good study Bible. But I was, I was using my Thompson Chain Reference Bible and in the back in the research, in the reference section, there was a section that was called the Harmony of the Gospels. And what it did was it took the book of Matthew and it divided it into passages, different stories and events. And then it took the book of Mark and it found the same story and it matched that passage with the one in Matthew. And then it went to the book of Luke and it found the same story that matched that story with those two in Matthew and Mark. And there's a few stories that show up in all four books. So the book of John did the same thing. And it put them in chronological... And the first time I read the Gospels in chronological order, there were so many things that, oh, now that makes sense. Oh, this is what that means. Oh, he was doing that just before he did this. And, 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 and so then I wondered, well, I wonder how he could put the whole Bible in chronological order. Well, sure enough, there was a man who did it. His name was Ed Reese. He pastored a church in one of the south suburbs of Chicago. And when Brother Howes started Howes Anderson College, he hired Ed Reese, a pastor, to come over and teach Bible at Howes Anderson College. And uh, then after he taught Bible at our college for about 20 years, he went to uh, uh, Crown College and taught Bible for Brother Sexton for several years, and now he's in heaven. But for 35 years, Ed Reese worked on this project of taking every single verse in the Bible and put them in chronological order. Now you can purchase for about $10 the Reese Chronological Bible. Just Reese, just like Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, but his name is Ed Reese. Reese's Chronological Bible. Uh, you can go online and order them. Uh, uh, I would suggest you get one. Now, if you were only going to own one Bible and you were going to use this Bible as your Bible reading Bible, I wouldn't suggest the Chronological Bible. But if you're going to use it as a, as a help to help you study, it's a great, it's a great resource. All right. Number six. I write down what I learn. I have a little notebook, just exactly like this one right here. Of course, this is, I don't think this is, you know, this is a song book, but, but this size right here, I have a little spiral notebook, uh, at, with me, uh, I got one in my hotel room right now. And every time I sit down to read my Bible, I did it this morning and, and again this afternoon, had a little bit of extra time this afternoon. I get out my little notebook and I turn to the last page where I, 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 uh, I wrote down what I learned. And, and I get my ink pen out and I lay it there and I open my Bible and, and I begin to read. You know, uh, the Bible says that we can, uh, we can grieve the Holy Spirit. Well, if we're capable of grieving Him, I wonder if we're also capable of inspiring Him. My wife teaches at our college. She teaches four classes. One of her classes, uh, 
uh, well, it doesn't matter which one, but anyway, uh, uh, she teaches four classes. And during the 22 years that I oversaw the daily operations of the college, I would go out in the hallways between classes and shake hands with the students and check on their spirits and how they were doing. And often I would come by her class just as the girls were coming out and they'd be wiping tears out of their eyes. And my wife sometimes would be wiping tears off her cheeks. And so that one night at the supper table, I said, how is it after you've taught that same class, I think at that time for 16 years, twice a year, for 32 times she had taught the same class. I said, how is it you're still so passionate about everything you teach? She said, well, number one, every time I look at those girls, I remember that you and I reared three daughters, and I look at them as if they were my own daughters. And she said, I try my best to pour my heart into them just like I would if they were my daughters. She said, but number two, in every class, I always have one student. She said, occasionally I'm fortunate and I have two or three in the same class, but I always have at least one. She said, they get there early. They sit as close to the front as possible. They sit on the edge of their seat. They get their notebook out. They have their pen in their hand. And she said, they're looking me right in the eye with that look that says, please teach me something. And she said, so I focus on them while I'm teaching. (laughs) You know, I wonder if the Holy Spirit would be more inspired to teach me something if I got my notebook out and got my pen ready and told and then prayed and asked him to help me learn something. And so when he teaches me something, I write it down right quick. All right, number uh, seven, I believe it is, number seven. I sometimes do what I call a word study. I do what I call a word study. I come to a particular word in the Bible, and that word interests me. And I think, wow, that's an interesting word, or I wonder what all the Bible says about that word. So then I go to my e-sword program, E as in electric e-sword program on my iPad. You can put it on your computer, your iPad, your telephone, or whatever. Uh, Richard Meyer put it together. Uh, for years and years, it was free. I think now he charges 4 or $5 for you to download it onto your computer. But it's got a lot of tools. In fact, that uh, Noah Webster 1828 dictionary, it's on the e-sword program. The uh, Strong's Concordance is on the e-sword program. I think there's a, a Bible atlas on there, too, but don't hold me to that, but I believe there is. But... Uh, uh, but also on that program, what I use on a regular basis, in fact, I was, I used it today, as I, you can type in any word in the Bible in that program, push a button, and every single verse where that word appears will come up on your screen. And you can read every verse in the Bible, all five of them, or all ten of them, or all 75 of them, uh, every verse in the Bible that has that particular word in it, and many times... I learned something I never understood before by, by, by at one time seeing everything God says about that particular word or all the different ways God uses that particular word. So I do what I call a word study. And sometimes a, a word will show up in the Bible two or three hundred times. And so I set aside one morning a week for three or four weeks in a row and study that particular word for a while. So I do a word study. And then the last one is this, number eight. Turn to John chapter 6, if you would, please. John chapter 6. You ever sit down to read your Bible, and when you do, you look at your Bible reading chart, and you realize, okay, yesterday I finished reading my Bible, let's say, in John chapter 5. That's where I ended yesterday. So today I'm going to begin with John chapter 6. So you look at John chapter 6, and it says... After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, and does your mind question, after what things? Oh, 
He must be talking about what happened in chapter 5. Let's see. I read chapter 5 yesterday, but since then I've cooked three meals. I've washed the laundry. Uh, I haven't. My wife has. Uh, uh, but you ladies think I cooked three meals. I bought the groceries. I, I washed the laundry. I mopped the floor. I took the kids to school. Uh, I don't remember what John chapter 5 said. You ever been there? Okay, so what I do every time when I sit down to read, if I'm going to begin with John chapter 6, today before I read John chapter 6... I go back to John chapter 5 and I read verse 1 and I read the last verse in the chapter. And every time, oh yeah, that's what John chapter 5 was about. All I have to do, read the first verse and the last verse. And now I'm ready to read John chapter 6 or whatever chapter I'm on at that particular time. I fully understand in a good, solid church like this with a wonderful pastor like you have, there are people in this church who love your Bible who've read it as long or longer than I have, who understand it better than I do. And some of you could get up here and teach more than I taught tonight. But most of us that are in the room tonight could at least pick up on one more little idea and say, yeah, you know, I, I, I could use that right there. I could add that to what I've been doing and it helped me understand the Bible a little bit more. And there may be somebody in the room tonight, kind of like I was, that you can use every single thing I said tonight. I wish somebody had taught me all of this a week, a month, or three months, or six months after I got saved. It took me 53 years to gradually learn this on my own. Who would say tonight, with God's help, I'm going to kind of renew my passion to read, study, and understand what I'm reading in the Bible? Would you make that commitment to God tonight? Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Who would say right now, best I know how, yes, I want to do that. I want to kind of recommit myself to reading my Bible and understanding what I...